When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky LeBlue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL Podcast. We are recording this the day after Christmas, so it is definitely a little bit of a, a jolly time still around here, still in the Christmas spirit, guys. Is that is that safe to say? Meh. Christmas is Christmas, man. <laughs> I'm not very Christmas. Will, are you still in the Christmas mood? No. It no. Crafting Christmas yesterday just meant more work that I had to do today and tomorrow. <laughs> you have to cram it all into a certain amount of days. I mean, this week's going to be really long. I mean, Christmas yesterday, uh, wrote the preview today, recording the podcast today. Um, there's a basketball game Thursday and a I'm driving game to Orlando on Wednesday, to tomorrow. Right. right. Um, you know, on Friday, I really want to do three things. I, I want to write my day after column for the Camping World Bowl. I want to write a Syracuse game preview. And I would like to write a basketball column to to fit between the last non-conference game and, and the first start ACC conference game. Schedule. But can't do all three of those things in one yeah, day. Yeah, that's, a, that's just, a bit much. <laughs> it's too much to do in one week, man. Will, tell us about the family gift that everyone got at your household. It was kind of a, it was a group gift. It was gifted to the whole family, and it was kind of a gag gift, but I want to hear about that really quick. So we were sitting around the dinner table, and uh, this was you know, probably close to a week before Christmas. <laughs> and uh, somebody, somebody had on their phone a list of the 10 worst Christmas gifts, and number 10 was the Farting Animals Coloring Book. <laughs> I I had never heard of this until you mentioned it. And I really had to keep my mouth shut because I had already ordered oh. one and it was already <laughs> on the way from Amazon. <laughs> oh my goodness. But all right, so we're definitely still, or at least Will and I are a little bit in the Christmas spirit. But even no, though, I'm not. I came even though the, Will I, says I, no. I, I came into the office this morning and our network, which has just, of course, been working fine and not given us any trouble for forever, suddenly decides it's not going to let me access all of our huge archive of, of shared pictures and videos. That's a, that's a late and Christmas files. Present. Yeah, that's a huge deal. That's some deal. late coal in so your stuff. So, of course, stocking. I go over to Chris's computer where, where all this stuff is stored, and I do right-click and go share with everybody, and it says, you can't share this drive. So, <laughs> I'm out of line. You know, I, I'm, I'm out, outside of my realm of... Uh, expertise here so <laughs> so so many of the conversations today in the office were hey chris can you email me such and such a file hey chris can you email me such and such a file so no i'm not in a good mood <laughs> well in that case let's go ahead and preview this oklahoma state game this is the camping world bowl uh it'll be uh thursday the, the 28th of december 5 15 p.m uh it'll be televised on espn you can watch on the espn app too um the, I, I really want to start with tech's offense in this game because i think that all three of us would agree that the outcome of this game is going to boil down to whether or not Tech can put up enough points. Yeah. Um, we'll get to Tech's defense later, but I think the general consensus of, of us three, and we've had, what, two games or two weeks to kind of think about this game now, um, if Tech is going to win this game, Tech's offense is going to have to at least look somewhat competent. Yeah. I mean, when you consider that Oklahoma State only scored fewer than 31 points one time all year. Um, that this is the time you need to score points. And I think they scored 40 or more points in 10 of their 12 games. And go back to Virginia Tech, and they have not scored more than 30 points since the North Carolina game. And they and that was, you know, a couple of defensive touchdowns and a special yeah. teams touchdown. So And they've only scored more than 30 points once in their last eight games. So that this is not a matchup that is favorable to Virginia Tech. And if you're in a bad mood from Christmas and networks breaking, then uh, <laughs> the rest of this podcast might not put you in a better mood either. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it, if you just look on paper and you look at a lot of these things, and I think I think the gut thing is that too. I think all three of us in our gut just think that Tech's offense might not be able to get it done, even if they might be a little healthier after this two week hiatus. Yeah, to to me, the the things, and and we'll we'll spend a lot of time talking about the things Tech has to do to to win this ball game. And as as is often the case, a lot of things go hand in hand. Um, and for me, what goes hand in hand is they 
you know, the irony of the UVA game was that it was it was a Beamer game. It was control the football, you know, yeah. and, and score 10 points and win with your defense. <laughs> Maybe I should call it Brian Steinspring game. Ooh. Um, uh, for Virginia Tech to control uh, Oklahoma State's offense to any degree, I, I wrote in our game preview, I think it's going to have to come from the defensive tackles. It's going to have to come from the inside out. It's going to have to come from uh, Settle and Walker, who are very good. Uh, disrupting the running game and the passing game. But as we saw in the West Virginia game, when those guys are on the field for a lot of plays, they get a little gassed and they kind of stand and watch a little bit. And that's bit. exactly what happened in that West Virginia game. Yeah, they started to know. falter a bit in the second half. And we brought this up in a couple of podcasts, and I always say it kind of kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek. It's not a criticism. You know, they played 89 plays. Well, they didn't play all 89, but they, they played, played most a lot of, of plays. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, it was kind of funny to watch them kind of Hit, hit the offensive lineman a little bit and then kind of spy the quarterback. <laughs> uh, but so for Settling Walker to stay in the game and Oklahoma State's plays, the number of plays, to stay low, Virginia Tech's offense is going to have to do well. If they start putting up some three and outs, you know, this thing could get ugly pretty quick um, and get out of hand pretty quick. Or even later, you know, maybe, the, maybe Tech will be able to hang with them for a while, but if they get that offense going – and start running a lot of plays, Tech's going to run out of gas. Yeah, it's literally one of those games where uh, if the game goes a certain way, I could see it being a very good game going into the fourth quarter, and, and it could be decided late. But if it goes another way, then I, I could see it getting ugly in a hurry in, fa- in, in Oklahoma State's favor. I mean, with, with Virginia Tech's struggles in the passing game, I mean, for example, what if Oklahoma State scores two touchdowns in the first quarter? And then Virginia Tech can't really run the ball anymore. They have to play catch up. And and, and we saw what that was like versus Miami. Granted, Miami's defense is definitely a lot better better than Oklahoma State's, but we saw what that looked like when Tech had to get into those drops. And that was a tougher environment. Passing situation. This one's going to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, No Cam. I I think that that's going to be one of the big storylines of this game. We found out Cam Phillips has been playing with a sports hernia since August. I think it's incredible. I don't know how you. I think do that's. That. I think. I, look. I think it's pretty incredible that he put up nearly a thousand yards with playing through a sports hernia since August, and then playing with a bum ankle since um, October. The Boston College game, yeah. first week of October. Yeah. So I mean, you, you you put all those things into account, and I think it really just makes what Cam did even that much greater. And then not having him on the field. He's been Tech's really only reliable weapon all season long. Yeah, you look at their second and third leading receiver. You know, you've got uh, Sean Savoy and Eric Kuma. Yeah. When you combine their numbers together for receptions, <laughs> yards, and, and touchdowns, touchdowns, they don't equal Cam Phillips' numbers. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a substantial drop-off in production. Now, the good thing is Virginia Tech has known for a month that Cam Phillips wasn't going to play in this game. Yeah, So yeah. they've been able to game plan uh, – figure out some things, uh, maybe some adjust some roles, so to speak. Uh, so it'll be a little bit different than, oh, if he had gotten hurt against Pitt and then wasn't ready you know, for the UVA game six days later. Uh, this It's a much different scenario this time around. And you're playing against a, a team that, that doesn't play a whole lot of defense. So it's less of a challenge going into this week that, than, than it would have been in the regular season. But still, I, I, I think when you, when you know you're going to have to score some points – and you see a vulnerable secondary like like Oklahoma State. You know they're they're, they're one of the worst teams in the country and giving up big plays uh, as far as the passing. So is Virginia goes. Tech. <laughs> yeah, and, but you know when you look at how do you generate big plays? Virginia Tech has one of the worst offenses in the country in generating big plays, even with Cam. But now you take Cam out, and uh, and you and you really look at Oklahoma State's defense and you say, man, that's their weakness, giving up big plays. But will we be able to exploit that? Yeah, and that's something we'll definitely hit on in the over-under section. I think that this is a game where Sean Savoy really needs to step up. We haven't seen much of him in the last several weeks, and he hasn't really put up any kind of big production since that Boston College game where Cam Phillips went out earlier in that game. Uh, This two-week hiatus, I think, was really important for Josh Jackson. We know that Josh Jackson's been dealing with some sort of foot injury. We know that his elbow and his shoulder have been messed up since the Miami game. Uh, do you think that that helps at all, even though Cam Phillips isn't in this game, that maybe Josh Jackson is a little sharper, a little more on point, perhaps because he might you might feel a little bit better? You know, it, it, I think it depends. If his shoulder injury and his elbow injury were just 
you know, nagging sprains, things. naggings, you know, dings and dents and things like that, then, then yeah, I'm sure it helped a lot. But, but it could be things that require surgery if there's, in the actu- if there's actually structural damage in there. Yeah, typically the, shoulder injuries. Have you ever heard of a shoulder injury that didn't end up in surgery in the offseason? It's off just season? banged up. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's rare to just bang up a shoulder. Right. Um, so I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see there. Um, I, the thing is, I'm not sure how much it'll matter, healthy or hurt, without camp. Yeah. I mean, as healthy as Josh is, you have, you can only throw to open guys. <laughs> yeah, You can't throw to guys that are covered because if you do, it's going the other way. That's right. Uh, so with Josh Jackson being maybe healthy, maybe not, with Cam Phillips not in this game, um, I don't think any three of us are expecting Joshua Nijman to play in this game. I know he did not practice today, which is Tuesday. Yeah. Um, the importance of the running game is going to be, I don't think you can really quantify it. Uh, Tech really has to run the ball. They have to control the clock. They have to keep their defense off the field and maybe wear Oklahoma State out a little bit. You know, I, I was sitting here thinking, listening to all the discussion and thinking, you know, they're going to have to rely on a lot of young receivers. Yeah. And, and you never know where the tipping point is for guys where, uh, and, and particularly on a given night. Um, so let's talk about Grimsley, for example. Um, I think a lot of fans saw the the play he made in the UVA game that that extraordinary catch and they've anointed him ready oh he looks great he's ready to, well, I, I don't know about that he made he made one great play you know but but if he goes out there and he's doing his thing and he's finding himself open by three to five yards because Oklahoma State's not good at defense yeah you never know you, you guys know how important confidence is in a football game mm-hmm. just getting into a rhythm you know and it's up you know it's up to Virginia Tech's coaching staff they know what they've what they have and don't have going into this game. They know what they're dealing with on Oklahoma State's defense. It's up It's up to them to come up with the game plan, you know, and they'll throw a few wrinkles in there because it's bowl season, you know, and you get things mm-hmm. like yep. fake, fake punts and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we'll see. But uh, ideally you would like to see, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember the numbers I ran from the UVA game. I think Stephen Peoples had 11 carries in about the last – quarter and a half sounds right you know right. and when he had 22 for the game but a lot of it came late mm-hmm. um if, if he can pick up three to five yards of carry and yeah they can grind it out control the clock some and co- complete some short stuff and come up with some some uh you know chris cunningham type touchdowns down on the goal line you can make it happen that's a lot of ifs it is you know? it's a lot and, of ifs. but uh the other part of the equation i wrote about this in our game preview is you never know the mindset of a given team when they come into a game and given players. Players who are getting ready to go to the NFL, for example, a lot of the press is around guys skipping bowl games. Well, some guys skip it up here, and I'm pointing to my head, you know, and they don't play as hard because they don't want to get hurt, you know, and you just hope that maybe Oklahoma State comes in just not ready, you know, and that Virginia Tech does come in ready. That would definitely help for Virginia Tech. Another thing that would help would be the offensive line putting together another performance like they did versus Virginia where it seemed like Wyatt Teller, Eric Gallo, mm-hmm. uh, Braxton Pfaff, they really controlled the interior uh, and controlled the line of scrimmage, and that's something that they could really use in this game. It, 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 was, was that the game where DeAndre Planton came in? Yes, yes yeah, and DeAndre yeah. Planton played well. I thought you he know, played well. Maybe they liked what they saw there and they worked on that more in, in ball play. It, it would not surprise me if Planton plays about 70% of it, this game. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, you know, he's he's the future more so than Parker Osterloh. Yeah, Parker Osterloh will be gone in, in less than a week. Yeah, exactly right. So I, I think Virginia Tech can run the ball in Oklahoma State. All right, here's the problem, though. Virginia Tech ran the ball very effectively against UVA, but it still only scored 10 points. Yeah, that's – yeah. You know, they can run the ball effectively against Oklahoma State, but, but they're not going to need to score points. You know, and, what does Justin Fuente always say? Pass to score and run to win. Run to well, win. You have to be well, able they, to pass to score. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, but, but I definitely think that's the case. And the the one time they got in scoring position against UVA, they threw the ball to score. Yeah. Uh, and and I just look back over their last four games, and they've only scored seven touchdowns, I believe, in those four games. And only two of their touchdown drives have been longer than forty yards. They had they had an interception return for a touchdown against Georgia Tech. They had a couple other touchdowns that were set up by either a, a long kickoff return or a couple more interceptions or a, or a fumble. Yeah, yeah. They've only had two legitimate offensive scoring touchdown drives over the last four games: one against Georgia Tech, and then the first drive of the game against Pitt. 
Um, so, you know, they can run the ball all day long against Oklahoma State, but it won't matter if they can't score any points. So so a lot of, a lot of the, the analysis of this bowl game is, is kind of pessimistic for Virginia Tech. And the reason why is that you're, you're hinging your hopes upon Tech doing something they basically haven't done for the last month. Yeah. And that's, that's put up a lot of points on offense. So, uh, Chris, you'll remember this better than I. Um, leading up to the, the bowl game against Tulsa, when, mm-hmm. when the Tech offense blew up on Tulsa, yeah. what was the Tech offense doing up to that point at, the, was, at the end of that season? Let's see. Uh, they, had a, they had a pretty good game against North Carolina, took them to overtime. Did okay against UVA. They were nothing special. Um, you know, Brewer had come back, and they had gotten better towards the end with Brewer back as the quarterback. But what you got to remember is the Tulsa defense was, I think, next to last in the country in total defense. I mean, this was like playing Tulsa. The Tulsa defense was like playing playing ECU, uh, playing playing ECU, ECU. ECU. (laughs) playing ECU, maybe playing a, a a middle of the pack FCS team. It was Tulsa's level of defense. So, I mean, there was no doubt that Tech was going to go out there and score a ton of points. And while Oklahoma State is not a great defensive team, they're way, 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 way better than Tulsa and ECU. They're 70th in the country in S&P+. Um, yeah, that's a lot they, better than next to last. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they play in a conference where, you know, let's face it, that there are a lot of offenses like their own in, in that league. Oh, uh, not quite as good as their own. but Defense is not really prioritized it's, it's in the not, Big 12. It's not prioritized, but uh, I, I, I just look – you just look at Tech's offense right now and, and you think, man, they only scored 10 points against UVA. And, and, you know, UVA doesn't have a bad defense, but that's, that's not great either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, George Tech's think... defense is decent but not great. Um. Miami's defense is it's above average, but it's not a league. It's pretty good, especially when it comes to turning people over. Uh, yeah, it's well. When but it, then they got to, run over by Clemson. Yeah, I know. It seems like everybody's kicking their butts except for Virginia Tech over the last month of the season. And Notre, well, and Notre Dame. Well, you know, yeah. if, if my, Miami had a couple of really good games at home, and that's what it amounted to. That's pretty much what it amounted to. Uh, so, you know, while I think Virginia Tech is capable of moving the ball in Oklahoma State, they're still going to have to score points when they get in the red zone. And, you know, a lot of things are, are going to have to happen. There, a lot of things are going to have to line up perfectly for Virginia, for right. Virginia Tech to win. Chris, you, you touched on Oklahoma State's defense. What can we really expect out of that defense? Because when people talk about Oklahoma State, they talk about the offense, their third, third highest scoring offense in the country. Mm-hmm. But what can we expect from this defense? You know, I, I, I think they're kind of a kind of a bland defense, to, so to speak. Kind of yeah. meh. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they're like – you know, you watch them play Oklahoma. Yeah, they give up 62 points, and they're bad. And and they've had some bad performances overall this year. But they're about what you would expect from a Big 12 defense. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they're going to do a lot of complicated stuff. I, I think they'll play it fairly safe in the secondary. So, I mean, I do think there will be some room for Josh Jackson to make some throws or some room for those receivers to get open. Uh, and I think there will be some running room. But, uh, you know, I think they'll – They'll employ a bend but don't break style of play to a certain extent, and big. And if Virginia Tech makes a big play, it will probably have to come from like somebody breaking a tackle or, or, or something like that. Which or, is something we also have not seen much of seen this year, whether it be from a back or a receiver. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and if I, you know, if I'm Gundy and I'm their defensive staff, and I'm just looking those stats, looking at those stats I just gave, and Virginia Tech scored seven touchdowns our last four games. And only two of those touchdown drives were greater than 40 yards. I'm like, man, this team cannot drive the length of the field on anybody. Play it safe. Don't give up any big See, plays. See, I, I think I might have the opposite approach in terms of I don't have any confidence in, if I'm Oklahoma State, I don't have any confidence in Virginia Tech's receivers to beat me on the outside. Oh, well, I, I agree, except that's been Oklahoma State's weakness all year is giving up big plays. So yes. if Virginia Tech's going to do it against anybody as far as big plays, it's going to be Oklahoma State. Fair enough. But I, I feel like me, I might I might at least start off by challenging them and, and not letting them run the football, maybe loading the box, bringing some pressures, and forcing Josh Jackson to beat me with his arm because as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I'm he not, hasn't been able to do that. Sure and he even has an arm to beat people with, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. He might not even have the arm to do it. Um, this Oklahoma State offense obviously has been the focal point of this game, and as it really should be, they're the third highest scoring team in FBS. 
They have the Blitnikoff winner at, at the receiver in, in James Washington. Mason Rudolph put up insane numbers this year. I want to start with Mason Rudolph. Um, obviously, he's a, a, a pretty terrific passer at this point in his career. Maybe he has a chance to play in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but his immobility is something I want to talk about. He's not really a mobile guy. Yeah. And as we've known throughout the years under Bud Foster, that's been an Achilles heel of Bud Foster's defenses. So with his immobility, does that maybe loosen up things for Bud a little yeah. bit and help him maybe contain this passing game? I think so. I think you can maybe dedicate your linebackers to the passing game a little bit more um, because you don't have to worry about really assigning a guy to the quarterback. He's got 56 carries for 29 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. So they're confident in him enough right around the goal line that he has 10 rushing yeah. touchdowns this year. But when you th- take out the 21 sacks, he's only got 35 carries through 12 games. And, you know, you got – so that that's less than three design runs per well, game. Even if you some those scrambles. scrambles. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you, they're just not confident in him and using him as part of the running game. Uh, and that benefits for, for Virginia Tech. You know, if you look at – go to the start of the Fuente era and Virginia Tech's seven losses opposing quarterbacks have averaged – 20 carries for 94 yards per game. and But in Virginia Tech's 19 wins, opposing quarterbacks, I think, are at 11 carries per game for an average of 21 20 yards. yards yeah. yeah, And that seems like that would be more of a realistic finish for Mason oh, Rudolph yeah, in this game if, if, than 20 carries oh my for goodness, 94. If, if he rushes for 94, then Virginia Tech's <laughs> going to lose by about 40 or 50. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that's not realistic. He's not, he's not that type of player. Um, so that is... If Virginia Tech wins this football game, I think we're going to be able to look back and say, you know what, they had a really good defensive game because they didn't have to worry about that quarterback running the football. And that's that's really been the only thing that's been able to beat Bud's defense the last couple of years is a, is a running quarterback. And I'm not necessarily saying a guy who scrambles for a bunch of yards, but the design quarterback run where they yeah. get where they get an extra where they really gain an extra blocker and uh, you have one fewer free hitter. Uh, you know, that that's what's hurt Virginia Tech. The other thing is obviously been big plays, and we know that Tech's really struggled in that all year. I think they're 114th in defensive yeah. ISO PP, which is the rating that measures a defense's ability to stop giving up big plays. And James Washington is somebody that everybody's going to have their eyes on. Mm-hmm. Blitnikoff award winner uh, put up a ridiculous amount of yards this season. He had eight games of 100 yards or more this year. Um, I know Tech's corners are good, but this is probably going to be the best receiver that Tech's faced all year. Yeah, you know, over 20 yards per catch. Yeah, I think I really, a lot of catches and over 20 and, yards uh, per yeah, catch. Yeah, it's, it's pretty He's really kind numbers. of the total package, it yeah, seems like. Yeah, exactly. And they've got two 1,000-yard receivers on on that team. Uh, Tech doesn't have anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's 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 really wild how, how productive their offense has been. I, I think that the Tech uh, – corners and and the Oklahoma State wide receivers will kind of cancel each other out on the outside. Uh, I I know Oklahoma's gotten some big plays over the middle this year on some post routes and things like that. And that's been an area of concern for Tech this year. Absolutely, and that's what concerns me. Uh, I don't even know who's going to start at at free safety for Virginia Tech. I'm assuming that Mook Reynolds will be back for this game. Mook Reynolds did practice today. Right, okay. Uh, I assume he's going to be back and start at free safety, but I don't know. Um, honestly, I don't know that I wouldn't rather play him at nickel anyway. Um, I think he's much better suited for the nickel spot than the free safety spot. So since we're talking about safety, um, is there any possibility that Devon Diablo will be back for this game? If he plays in this game, then he doesn't get to redshirt. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, it feels like it would be it'd be a bad idea to burn a chance for a medical for, redshirt for one game for yeah. for this game only. Mm. Not to mention, I think Tech does like Khalil Ladler and what he brings. However, he's definitely going to be tested in this kind of game. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, you know, for, from an experience standpoint, you, you think, oh yeah, Mook at free safety, and then Dion Newsom at the nickel spot. But Mook, this I agree with you. Mook seems better in the alley than he, he does he, playing I, center field. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, one of the big plays against Georgia Tech was right right over top of Mook. Um, so it's 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 decision making time for Bud Foster from that standpoint. Now I'm sure if Mook's available, he's going to start at free safety with with Newsom at the nickel spot. I, I might have actually a, a short leash for for that combo. If it doesn't work, then I might put Ladler at free safety and switch Mook back to to nickel. But but at the same time, it seems like it comes down to whether you think it, Ladler is better at free safety than Newsom is at win. Well, you you also have to yeah, pretty much. Uh, but you all also have to consider that this pace 
that Oklahoma State is going to play at. You know, the team saw it against West Virginia, but Cleo Lowler didn't see it against West Virginia. He was Deion playing Newsom special didn't teams. Play it, yeah, yeah, he played, he, I it. think he played one snap, one or two snaps that game when when Mook uh, briefly got hurt. But I think when you're a free safety and you're determining, and that guy sets up your defense, you know, you're you depend on that guy to set up your defense and and everything like that against a really fast paced offense. You probably lean towards a guy like Mook. Because he's seen he, most of this. Absolutely, before. he's a junior. Whereas Khalil Ladler has started one game in his career, and, and that was against UVA. Um, so you know, it's a m- much much different style of play. So that's why I think they would probably go with a Mook, Mook at free safety. But if it was somebody who played a more normal style of football, then uh, I, I'd I'd be real tempted to go ahead and slide Mook back to nickel and start Ladler at free safety. And see, that's the problem with this Oklahoma State offense because even if Tech does control the clock. And, and really control possession of the football, and let's say they put up 20 points, Oklahoma State can score 20 points in in, in four or five plays Yeah, just because they're so explosive. They are, they're third in FBS in plays of 20 yards or more this year with 92, <laughs> which is just an astronomical number. Um, but I feel like that's, the, the, that's one of the worries, again, with Tech, is that even if you do maybe exceed expectations on offense, Things can be undone in just one play. Yeah, which leads us to the discussion of turnovers and special teams and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, and hoping that you get an advantage there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now granted, uh, I believe Oklahoma State is kind of a, a poor special teams unit. Is that. Oh, that would. That would... That would be a, a nice way to describe it. <laughs> uh, they're awful on special teams, they're 124th. In special and teams FBI efficiency, special wow. teams efficiency, yeah. So if there is a, a chance that Tech could maybe gain an advantage there, maybe a a, a, a bad punt return or it's, a, it, a, right, it's and it's not like they've got one special teams unit that's holding them back. They're just bad at everything. <laughs> I mean, they've got like three of their special teams units are ranked a hundredth or worse. Well, you then. know, I think their punt team's like a hundred and twenty second or something like that. That seems just, like it might be a problem. Yeah, it seems like it might be a problem. Uh, so I heard somebody made a joke on our boards recently. They said, "Well, we might return both of their punts for touchdowns." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they might so, only have a couple. Right, you got to force them to punt before you can take advantage of that. So the irony is, you get a touchdown off a punt return, and it just puts their offense right, right back, back out there on the field. field yeah, you know? and so you'd rather control it on offense, but uh, yeah, you know. It, but other things can happen in in special teams other than returns. We're talking about maybe they'll they'll muff a punt or a kickoff or, or a something block like or something yeah. along those yeah. lines, yeah. or or even just a situation maybe where they they return they return a punt when they shouldn't and they, they should let it go into the end zone and they they return it and they get brought down at the tens. That's a ten yard difference. When in, Tech in has yardage. a punt return to the fifty and just yeah. sets up extra field position. Not necessarily a touchdown. Anything but, to help the offense. Yeah. If you can get them in, in a shorter field, that seems like it would be definitely good for them. Uh, Will, do you just generally have confidence in Bud that he can somewhat keep a lid on this Oklahoma State offense, which I think we'll all agree is by far the best offense they'll play all season and probably the best offense they've played since Fuente's been here? I think so. You know, um, it, of course, he's got to get help from the offense. Uh, they can't They can't be out there 80 or 90 plays. Um, I ran the numbers, and West Virginia ran 89 plays. Nobody else ran more than 66. I believe Oklahoma State's run 80, like, uh, they, six or more times. They average 78, and they've run 80 six or more times. So that that's a very high count, and they've only been under 70 once, and, and that was the opener uh, for them. So, you know, it's going to take some help from the offense. But if you look at the Virginia Tech defense, um, I found myself wondering uh, this year how it is that Bud once again put a really good defense on the field. And for me, the answer is he had two really good defensive tackles that stayed healthy. Yeah. And he had two really good corners that until it got late in the season, I didn't realize how good they were. I knew Greg Stroman was playing a lot better. But as it got into November, that's when I started using the phrase that Brandon Faison's been invisible. He, they haven't and that's, been throwing at him. He hasn't yeah. been committing pass interference, nothing. You see Stroman, you're like, oh, he's playing great. And then it's November, and you're like, I don't even know. Is Faison even playing? You know. <laughs> right. So they've had two really good tackles, two really good corners. Um, uh, Tremaine Edmonds has – his numbers are a little bit off from last year, but he's Tremaine. You know, I mean, he's, he's a guy that can crank it up at any point. So Bud has things he can rely on, and if he can create the matchups that are advantageous to the Tech defense, 
you know, he, he can hold them down. But like I said, it's, it's as we all know, it's going to take some help from the offense. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing that's been nice, too, with this defense is that Reggie Floyd has assimilated so well at that at that rover spot. I, I think he was a one of the biggest question marks on this defense entering the season, and he's proven to be more than 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 a capable player. I think he's yeah, – absolutely. I think he was a very good rover this year. Um, you know, everybody's talking next year about, okay, Floyd will be back at rover – Divine Diablo was playing really well at free safety. If Terrell Edmonds comes back, who fits in where? Because you see three starting yeah. caliber players right there. Where do you put them in Hunter? Who's the odd man out? Right. Hunter's not going to start next year. I mean, just, it, does, it, it doesn't look like it. No. I mean, I just don't see where he would fit into that starting lineup right now. I, I, t- I put it this way. If he starts somewhere next year, then then that secondary is going to be really good because yeah. he's, he would have beat out a quality player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we get on to the over-unders, and we have an extended portion of over-unders this week, because it is the bowl game, it's the last chance. I want to give myself a chance to at least tie. Uh, but we're going to have – I want to give get guys uh, – your guys' quick keys to the game if Tech is going to win. So what are two things or maybe even three things if you have, and what are a couple things that really need to happen, just generally speaking, if Tech's going to win this game? I think, and I wrote this in our preview. It's, it's funny that you asked this. I, I, I think it for me it would start with defensive tackle play. Um, if, if the defensive tackles can I – don't, I don't know what style of running game Oklahoma State has. I don't know if they go to the edge a lot or if they go up the middle. Um, good defensive tackle play, to some extent, can disrupt both. Um, if Mason Rudolph has someone in his face when he's passing, throws, throws his rhythm off just a little bit, just a little more traffic than what he's used to. Yeah, you know? especially so, out there playing in the Big 12 when you're – a lot of times guys are rushing three and dropping eight. Yeah, so um, um, I, I think it for me it would really start with the defensive tackle play, unfortunately, because that's one of Tech's strengths. That's where I'm going to go, um, you know. And then I think uh, running the football and converting in the red zone offensively. If Tech can get to the red zone. Yes. Yeah. Run the ball, get to the red zone, and then convert there. <laughs> yeah, you know, you said two or three things. I, I really think, you know, maybe five things really need to line up uh, well. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, you know, fill position will be critical to, to add to what Will just said. Fill position is going to be critical in winning the turnover battle. Uh, you've got a team that, you know, nine times out of ten, you're not going to be able to outscore, so you certainly can't give them extra possessions and expect to win the game. So you'd like to see Virginia Tech end up plus one, preferably plus two or plus three in, in the turnover margin. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the two things for me that really stand out are limiting big plays on offense, forcing them to drive the length of the field, and not allow them to just score 14 points in, in, in a quarter and, and, and really keep a lid on those big plays. And the second thing was maintaining possession on offense. Because, mm-hmm. look, Oklahoma State's going to run 80 plays, 90 plays if you let them. Yeah. And, or Will, you mentioned the defensive tackle play. Those guys are only going to play at an elite level for four quarters if they're on the field for 50 plays. Yeah. And, he- and that's something that Tech's been better at as the season's gone on. And the defense has been on the field for fewer plays. But this is a pace they will not have seen since the start of the season. The scary thing about this game is that Virginia Tech could run the football. They could run 20 or 25 more plays than Oklahoma State, and they could still lose the game by two or three touchdowns. I mean, we saw the Virginia Tech-Miami game where Virginia Tech ran about 15 more plays than Miami. Yeah. And, you know, still lost the game by 18 points. And, you know, I could see this as one of those games where – it's maybe 10-3 to 3 late in the second quarter. Virginia Tech's rushed for over 100 yards. They're controlling the clock, things like that. And you're like, okay, we got a puncher's chance. And then Oklahoma State hits a 70-yard touchdown right yep. before halftime. And just like that, you feel like you've controlled the game, but you're down 17-3 yeah. just because of the type of offense they run. Definitely. All right, let's go ahead and get into these over-unders. So if, you're not, if you don't remember the exact standings, we're going to go through them here. Will, you're still leading at 13 and five. Chris, you're at 11 and seven, and I'm at nine and nine. So I, I, I do have a chance to take the lead here if both of you guys just absolutely fall apart in this last week. But I really wanted to make this competitive between you two, since it's, it's, it's way more realistic for Chris if he's going to have a chance to overtake Will. So the first over under this week is we're going to go with number of rushing yards for Virginia Tech. That's how they've really moved the ball over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they've moved the ball well. But that's how they've moved the ball. They had 150-plus versus Pittsburgh. They had 202 versus UVA. I know Oklahoma State's defense is not very good, especially against the run. So we're going to set this at 185. It seems like a, a, a median you know, mark here. Yeah, it, that's it's a good a, number. It, it's a chance yeah. where we could see 
reasonable ex- expectations fall on either side. Um, Will, you're you're leading, so you have to go first. Number of rushing yards for Tech at one eighty five. I'm going to go over. Over, okay. Yep. That's a it's an interesting one because I I think if this is a game late in the fourth quarter, then it will definitely be over for Virginia for Virginia Tech. But like you mentioned, yards. if Oklahoma State goes get, up tw- the, the, 21, yeah, three, right. 21 then seven. Tech's going to get in pass mode by you, you kind of have to at that point. Uh, I, I'm going to go under. Okay. I'm going to go uh, over as well because I do think Tech will be in this game for most of it. However, I do think Oklahoma State will pull away and we'll get into that prediction portion. But I am going to go over and agree with Will on this one. The next is time of possession for Virginia Tech. This is another thing that Tech really used against Virginia to, to control this game or control that game and win that game. They controlled it for 37 minutes and 16 seconds versus the versus the Hoos mm. to, to finish the season. Um, I'm going to set this at 35 minutes because Oklahoma State's a better team. They're a better offense. It's more likely that they're going to be able to move the ball mm-hmm. down the field. So, uh, Will, time of possession for Tech at 35 minutes. I'm going to paradoxically go under. under. I, pred- I predicted 100, over 185 yeah, yeah, rushing, yeah, 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 that I'll, is... I'll go under on time of possession. Okay. Just to mix it up. I figure I'll get at least one of them. <laughs> so, so what you're doing is hedging your bets at this point, right? I'm in, I'm in front. You know? <laughs> yeah. really have to screw up, uh, Chris. Go ahead. I, I'm going to go slightly under two. I do think Tech will win the uh, win it, but it'll be they'll probably end up with you know 32, 33 minutes, something like that. I'm going to go over one to be a contrarian to give myself a chance to pick up a point, but two, go. I really do think Tech will control that time of possession, but I think that Oklahoma State's quick playability is going to be a big factor in this game. And speaking of which, James Washington, again, the Blitnikoff Award winner for the season. Um, look, he's had eight games this year of 100 yards or more. So we're going to set the overrunner for James Washington receiving yards at 100. Will? Over. Over. But not by much. Okay. And see, that's the thing about his, his game, his season two, is that those games over 100, it's not like he's getting 110 or 107. It's, it's like 130, yard. 150, yeah. 180. He had a 200-yard game earlier this year. Yeah. So he has the ability to really take over a game. I just think they'll target him enough that he will get over um, 100. Okay. Uh, man, I'm I'm, I'm kind of divided. Um, I, I, I'm I gonna, finally I'm gonna... set good over-unders. <laughs> finally. It took me a whole year. I'll probably regret this, but I, I, I think – uh, as, as as much as he is the best wide receiver, this passing attack is the best passing game that Virginia Tech has seen this year. These corners are going to be the best set of corners that they've faced this yeah. year. And I think most of whatever they get will be over the middle. Um, I'm going to uh, – I'm going to go under. I'll probably regret it, but I'm going to go under. Okay, I'm going to stick with over, and I'm going to agree with Will that it will be slightly over. I think that – Washington's probably going to get one big play in this game that'll get him, you know, 60, 70 yards. Yeah. And I think outside of that, he should be able to, you know, grab Generate, another 30 yeah. to 40 yeah. yards. I think that he'll be able to get to that number. Uh, I think this is a really intriguing one that I thought of, uh, not to toot my own horn. Uh, Sean Savoy receiving yards. He has not really been a visible uh, option in the passing game. We haven't really seen him make an impact on a game since that Boston College game where he really broke onto the scene. Mm-hmm. and help Tech move the ball without Cam Phillips in that game. Uh, in fact, since that Boston College game on October 7, he has not had a single game with 40 or more receiving yards. Right. So, it, it, because Tech's really going to need him in this game without Cam Phillips, we're going to set his receiving yard total at 40 for this one. Do you see him playing outside or playing in the slot? I, it's probably going to be a mix of both. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really I think hard to say. I think you could see it's hard to say what they're going to do with a whole month to prepare, knowing they're not going to yeah. have Cam. And you remember that uh, CJ Carroll came back for the UVA right. game, right? And remember, Savoy did not play against UVA because he was hurt. Yeah. Um. So we don't know if, but he, he is practicing he, today. We don't know if, if like he just got hurt the week leading up to the UVA game, or if he was banged up that entire second half of the season. I mean, it's hard to really know at this point. But he seems like Tech's best option at, at receiver at this point. I am going to go over. Over, okay. I am too. All right. I'm going to go under. I think Tech's really going to rely on the running game. Uh, I think that we're going to see a really ground-and-pound kind of old-school style football, and I just don't know if I see uh, Sean Savoy getting a big play, like a 30-40-yard pass play. Speaking of passing plays, Josh Jackson has not really been himself himself 
these last couple weeks, we know he's been banged up with a, with multiple injuries. Um, in fact, he's had two games of 200 yards or more since that Boston College game, and that was in the first week of October. So it's been a really bad second half of the season for Josh and really this whole Tech offense. So we're going to set his passing yards at 200 to see if he can get over that magical number. Will, go ahead. I'm going to paradoxically go over. Um, that is really yeah, – so, you so are hedging your bets at this I, point. I said is going to be under 40, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, so um, how's he going to go over, you know? We're all still waiting on Dalton Keene's multi-catch game. <laughs> then you have four catches in one game and like yeah, five true. the rest that's of the true. season. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so you're going... Yeah, so I'm bouncing back and forth just to protect my lead. Okay, so you're I'm going, going over. Over for Josh. Okay, I, I'm going to go over. All right. I said earlier I picked under 185 rushing yards. I, you know, I just think that Oklahoma State, they have a big 12 defense. Right. And Virginia Tech's right. going to get There's over. Something they're going to get had. 400 yards in this offense. Uh, oh. Or, or in this game. In really? Yeah, I think they are. Wow. Um, just the nature of the opponent they're playing. Um, I think that way. And, you know, they almost got 400 against Pitt. Um, they And they were, uh, let's see, they almost got 400 against UVA, right? I think so. Pretty pretty close. Close. Well, yeah, pretty yeah, they had two hundred. They had two hundred two just in rushing. Right. So, I mean, that, that was I think their best right. rushing output. I think of they the ended season. up about three fifty. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you know, I think they're going to get four hundred in this game. So yeah, and if I think they're going to, what I said under one eighty five for rushing, right? And 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 his, yes, yes, and you further, said under and, for right. And for the season, Oklahoma's pass defense is Oklahoma State's pass defense is weaker than their rushing defense. Uh, I, I'm so I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over two, I think, but just slightly. Uh, I could see a two ten kind of performance for Josh Jackson. They don't. I don't think that they're going to ask him to be the bell cow in this offense in terms of you know make, making getting those first and second down plays and getting to third and short. They're really going to rely on the running game, and they're really just going to ask I think Josh to convert on a couple third downs and and maybe get one two big uh, big plays to really get this offense going. Uh, really quick before we get to predictions. How important is it for Tech to win this game just in terms of the trajectory of the program, uh, preseason ranking for next year, recruiting? Ooh, I like that when I get to answer first. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, then. Because I love this topic of bowl games and how much they matter. Uh, they don't matter, but they do. Yeah. Um, in, in, in terms of the overall project trajectory of the program and the things that the coaching staff is trying to accomplish, this game does not matter one bit. Where it does matter is, and I hate that the media does this, they hang their hat on whether or not you won your bowl game. So, yeah. Tech is 9-3. and three. Uh, If they win the bowl game and finish 10-3, and three, they'll, be a, they'll have a much higher chance of getting ranked in the preseason next year. 10-3 and three looks infinitely better than 9-4. and four. They, they, they would guarantee them a top 20 finish this year and probably a top 15 finish with everybody coming back. Top fifteen start start oh, yeah. Yeah. top fifteen start next next year yeah yeah you know and I don't like that because as you've heard me say many times bowl games are a crapshoot you know who knows who's going to show up right. and, and the matchups are weird and and but yet it does affect your your preseason ranking and a lot of stuff flows out of the preseason ranking um, you know as as we saw this year the the kind of the kind of the uh, the I can't find the term I'm looking for but Virginia Tech winning the West Virginia game this year altered the course of the rest of the season. It got him that Saturday night matchup at home against Clemson. It got him the Saturday night road game at Miami. They weren't able to do anything with either one of those. But they had the opportunities. And and they stayed in the rankings most of the year, right, guys? You know, yeah. um, They fell out after the Georgia Tech game. Yeah. yeah, so you wind up on the crawler a lot. You get a lot more attention. Although this day and age, they spend the, you know, the talking heads spend the entire season talking about the playoff anyway, so... Being ranked doesn't have quite the juice it used to, but it's still a good thing. It so. could, you know, it could affect your bowl placement next year. I mean, you're the highest ranked Oddly ACC enough, team is going to make the Orange Bowl next year. You know, assuming an ACC team makes the playoff, if Clemson makes the playoffs again, then that next highest ranked team is in the yeah, Orange so, Bowl. So, what if you're not in the Orange Bowl because you lost this bowl game the previous year? So yeah, picture this: uh, they they win this game and they start out somewhere maybe top 15, 15 to twenty, something like that. They go down to Florida State. They lose to Florida State. Um, if they beat Florida State, great. You know that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But if if they're ranked and they lose to Florida State, they're still kind of in people's minds and they don't fall that far out. 
if you're not ranked and you lose to Florida State, I'm betting you they're not getting any votes in week two. And that's a much, as to your point, you know, about what happens at D&D, that's a much longer climb, yeah. you know. So uh, it, in terms of affecting recruiting and trajectory and the plan these guys have for developing this team, it doesn't matter. In terms of perception and sexiness and all that stuff, unfortunately it does matter, which I hate because, you know, because my thing about bowl games being crapshoots. You know, last year when Virginia Tech got upset by Syracuse, I think they were, what, ranked 14th in the country? No, no, 16th, 17th. They were pretty high. Yeah. yeah, and they lost to Syracuse and dropped out of the polls. For a long time. Yes, uh, and then they got back in the polls, and they were ranked 14th against Georgia Tech, and they lost to Georgia Tech, and they dropped out of the top 25. They dropped over 11 spots. Yeah. And, and a lot of that comes from they were unranked to start the season. They weren't expected to do what they were doing last year. So, so I think if you if you come into the season with a reputation that you're going to be ranked, that you're going to be a contender, you're more likely to get the benefit of the doubt throughout the course of the season. I would definitely agree with that, and I would echo most of y'all's sentiments. I do think that this game carries a little bit more weight in terms of recruiting than, than, than you do, Will. And it's really just because... When you can go to recruits and tell them you've won 10 games twice in a row instead of just saying, oh, we won 10 games last year, I, I, I just feel like that really means something. When you can really go to go to guys and show that double-digit win total two years in a row, I think that really carries some weight. Also, when, when one of those wins is against one of the best offenses in college football and one of the more recognizable programs in the Midwest. I don't know how much cachet, though, if you look at where Virginia Tech recruits, I don't know how much cachet a victory over Oklahoma State is going to have. It's not going to get them a recruit over Florida State. I mean, well, Florida sure. State can go down and lose to Southern Miss in the Independence Bowl and finish 6-7, and seven, and somebody's still going to pick Florida State over Tech. Yeah. It, it, you know, yeah. uh, and, and Clemson, you know, you can, go, you can go to Clemson and get your laser tag and all that stuff now. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's one of those things where I, I don't – it, it's certainly not going to hurt them if they win the bowl game, but but I don't feel like it's going to propel them to a top 10 class if they win it. Yeah, I, I don't think it would either, but I do think that these kind of things tend to accumulate, and I think that these things have little impacts, and I think that these kinds of little impacts can build up over time. And I think that a win over Oklahoma State would be another one of those little things that just adds to the bigger picture. Well, they, they definitely need some some stuff like that. You know, you, you, we talked about the game against Clemson and the game against Miami. Neither one of those resulted in a win. If you um, if you win this bowl game, then you go down to Florida State ranked next year. And you know Florida State, despite the year they've had, they're going to start out highly ranked next year. Sure. Because they're bringing back Francois and, and, uh, and their Florida State. So Still can block though. To go, you know, and it's already a high-profile <laughs> game because it's going to be on Labor Day night. Yeah, um, yeah. But to be ranked also and go down there and win that game—that these are the kind of moments that need to start happening at some point. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to predictions for this game, the final prediction of the season for all of us. This is Tech's big. I think uh, really it, it is their last chance to get one of those national big wins. Uh, obviously, they have one over West Virginia and then flopped versus Clemson and Miami in primetime. I know this is kind of an afternoon kick. It's 5-15, so it's not really primetime. But this is a chance to get a win in a national spotlight. But, Chris, as we've kind of talked about, um, just when you look at all the things about this game, it seems like the deck is stacked against Tech in this one. Yeah, and in hindsight, I think it was stacked against them against Clemson and Miami, too. Oh, I yeah. Those teams are just better at this stage than Virginia Tech is. Uh so it's not one of those things. I mean, who they, would pick Tech to beat Clemson? No, I mean, in hindsight, what Other we know now, what we, what, we, what we know now, I mean, <laughs> nobody. Um, I, I've got it 34-24 Oklahoma State. Uh, if Virginia Tech holds Oklahoma State to 34 points, that would actually be the third best defensive performance all season yeah. uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, I do think Virginia Tech will do better offensively than they have in recent weeks just by the nature of the game uh, that Oklahoma State plays. Um, and the nature of their defense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, for Virginia Tech to win, I just think I think everything would have to fall into place perfectly. And I'm not saying that that can't happen because you don't know how a team like West Virginia will, will, or West Virginia Oklahoma State will will play in this game. I mean, they've got a bunch of seniors. Maybe those guys are really focused on ending their career strong. 
Maybe they're really focused on going to the NFL. Maybe it, they're having fun at Disney World. Maybe they're having fun at Disney World. Who knows? I mean, it's it's so hard and, and to tell. And the same thing could happen with Tech. Same it, thing could Tech guys could come out and say, you know what? Yeah, this is Josh this Orlando man. <laughs> this is Josh Jackson's first bowl game. It's Sean Savoy's first bowl game. Uh, you know, it's Dalton Keene's first bowl game. Hezekiah Grimsley's first bowl game. Jalen Holston's first bowl game. Gosh, too many guys. Uh, yeah, it's a lot exactly. And and you know, I just look at it and and see the big cogs for Oklahoma State are all seniors, and so many critical guys for Tech are freshmen or sophomores, and I just think that gives them a major edge. Okay, so really quick, go ahead and repeat your prediction. Thirty-four twenty-four. Thirty-four twenty-four. Oklahoma State will. In our preview, I picked thirty-four uh, seventeen. Oklahoma State. I, I think I was fixating more on the seventeen-point gap than I was what each team was going to score because I just sat here and I said Tech's going to get over one hundred eighty-five yards rushing, over two hundred yards passing that doesn't really equate to 17 points we hope you know we hope <laughs> if they're getting those kind of yards they're getting more than 17 points so if i could do it again i'd be more 38 21 or 41 24 and i think that i think that tech will hang in there for a while i think they'll be chasing oklahoma state most of the game though and then the separation will get larger at the end that's how i think it's going to play out I generally agree with you in terms of how the game is going to play out. I'm picking 31-17. to 17. I think that uh, Virginia Tech will probably either be tied or, or be just trailing Oklahoma State for most of this game. However, I do think that Oklahoma State's pace uh, is really going to be a, a factor in the fourth quarter. I think that they could get maybe one to two touchdowns in the fourth as they really just pull away from Virginia Tech. And I think it's going to be a situation of Virginia Tech's going to be in it for most of this game, but they're just not going to have that firepower in order to push them over the top in this one. So I, I, we're all picking Tech to lose this game. It's the first time that I've picked them to lose all year, and it, I, it's the first time we've all picked them to lose uh, the same game. Uh, but all right, so this is all that we have for this podcast. Remember, the game is on Thursday. Uh, kickoff is at 5.15. I will be in Orlando. Ivan Morozov will be in Orlando, Russian Hokie on the boards. So he'll be in there shooting for us. We'll have full coverage from Orlando in this game. I'm excited for this trip. Get to go to Florida for the second time this year. I'm so excited. But, um, all right, that's all the time we have for this one. We will have a podcast after the bowl game to recap things and to maybe put a put a bow on this season and figure out exactly what it all means. But until that time, for Will Stewart, for Chris Coleman, I'm Rick the Blue. Thanks for listening.